Well, good morning. Again, if you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn with me to Psalm 23 this morning. While you're turning there, I will mention what I forgot to mention during the welcome. Uh, We do not have extended session or children's church today, if you haven't noticed yet. Um, But we do have some children's bulletins on each table at the back side of the sanctuary with some activities that go along with the sermon and message today. There are also some bags at the very back that have some crayons and other things. Feel free um, to send your children to go and get those uh, anytime in the next few minutes. You will not hurt our feelings. We want to provide that for you this morning. This morning, as we look at what I believe to be probably the most popular psalm in all of the Psalter, my prayer is simply that we would hear this not just as a calming poem that is read often at graveside services, but as that we would hear this as a true declaration of the hope that we have in God our Father and in Jesus Christ His Son, and that we would be reassured and comforted by the promises that come from being His sheep. So if you would, look with me at Psalm 23. Let's begin this morning by reading the entire Psalm, all six verses, beginning in verse 1, David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray before we consider this scripture together. Father God, I pray today that you would allow us to hear fresh and new this text. Lord, even though we may be familiar with it, even though many here may be able to quote it, Father, that our hearts this morning would be open to hear the truth of this word. Father, that we would be reminded of the hope that we have in you and no one else. Father, that we would be reminded of the provision and the peace and the protection and the promise of love that we have from you our God. Help us to be ready to be convicted this morning that if there's anything in our life that does not match up with what you would have it to, Lord, that we would desire to know that so that we could change it. Father, and that we would love your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this psalm is written by David. I think that's important. Not all of them are, but I think it's specifically important here because we know that David himself was a shepherd. David had been a shepherd, and so he knows the job description of a shepherd well. And so when he explains that God is not only a shepherd, but is a good shepherd, I think it's even that much more meaningful to us. But this opening declaration that he gives to us, right? The Lord, this is the personal name of God. This is Yahweh. And so David says, Yahweh is my shepherd. That is a declaration. He is saying that and declaring that truth. And it carries the weight of Yahweh is my leader. Yahweh is my Lord. Yahweh is the one who offers me security 
Yahweh is the one that provides for me. In this day and time, kings would sometimes refer to themselves as shepherds because kings thought of themselves as the person that provided for their people and that protected their people. And so when, when David declares this as a king saying that Yahweh is his shepherd, it carries a lot of weight. It's a very strong statement that he makes here to begin. And then he spends the rest of the entire psalm laying out why that's a good thing. He, he declares, God is my shepherd, God is the one that leads me, God is the one that's in charge, and then he spends the rest of the time, he doesn't ask God for anything in the 23rd Psalm. He just declares truths about him and tells us things that are reassuring and tells us why that gives him comfort and security and hope and rest. And so, brothers and sisters, this morning I pray, as many of you have probably come in here weary and tired uh, for some of you, I know some of our college students, you've kind of made the finish line for this semester, and you feel like you need to take a deep breath. And for some of our teachers and parents, you are looking toward the end of the semester for high school and, and wondering if you're going to make it there. I know that many are still dealing with sickness and illness, and many of you are trying to figure out what Thanksgiving plans look like in the middle of a pandemic, and we are worried and we are scared, and at times, if we're honest, we may have felt hopeless. But today, David reminds us, through the words that God gave to him, that if God is your shepherd, that you should have comfort and security and reassurance and peace. And so I pray this morning that your heart hears that and sees that in this. But this is the main point. The main point of this text, I fully believe, is that David rests fully in God's leadership. God is his leader, and that allows him to rest. That allows him to feel secure. David rests in the leadership of God, and I pray that we are also able to rest in the leadership of God. So what sort of things come with being one of God's sheep? You may not be very proud of this, but I am very proud of this this morning. I have alliterated the points of this message this may be only the second time that I've ever alliterated the points, but I'm very proud of myself for alliterating the points this morning. So the first one is that God provides for his sheeple. I will refer to us this morning as sheeple, sheep people. We are sheeple. So God provides for his sheeple. And we see that here in the text in verse 2. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so that first part is really showing the idea that God provides for our basic needs. The things that we need, he provides. Sheep needed grass to eat. Sheep needed water to drink. Sheep needed protection. And God provides that as our shepherd. He gives us those things that we need. Lest we forget, in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, it says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And then in verse 33, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the promise is that when we are God's people and we follow the path that God has for us and we focus on him, he will make sure and provide for our needs. He will care for us in that way. And so David very practically lays out that God will provide for us. God provides for his people often in ways that we can't see or imagine, but God provides for us. But I also want you to see the second thing that God gives 
is peace. God gives peace to his people. And it's in the same text that we see this. And it's not as clearly abundant. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning trying to lay out what shepherding in the Middle East looks like. But just understand this. This idea of green pastures. Now, for us, that's not a strange thing. Many of you have been planting ryegrass, and it's that time of year when you can look out across a beautiful green pasture, and because the leaves on the trees are not green, that green pasture stands out abundantly. And you drive by one, and you just look and say, how beautiful that is. But understand that where David was... In this area, green pastures were not everywhere. So the idea of an abundance of grass, a pasture just full of grass that you could just graze and eat until you were full and then just lay down and know that you could get up and graze a little bit later, that wasn't normal. So the idea of a green pasture, and water was more scarce, so the idea of still waters, right, just just a beautiful stream or pond that you could walk over to as a sheep and drink whenever you need it and then come back and rest, these were not the everyday things that you found in the life of a sheep. Sheep life was nomadic life. It was life on the run. It was, I, I'm, I've got enough grass for this meal, but I don't know that there's going to be enough grass for the next meal. We're going to walk and we're going to travel and I, and I hope that we can find what we need, but I don't know for sure if the shepherd will get us to the next meal or to the next water before we die. And so the life of a sheep was life that was very difficult. It was unsettled. It was not assured. But here David contrasts that. And that sounds like a lot of our lives, doesn't it? Life on the run, from one thing to the next, never feeling like, feeling like we're always striving for things, but we're never accomplishing those things. Always wanting something else, not knowing if we're going to make it. But the idea here is that when God is our shepherd, and we're following him, there's an abundance of the things that we need. The things that we need will be clear and will be simple and will be provided, and so we can rest assured that he will get us where we need to be when we need to be there. And that's the idea of verse 3 when it says, uh, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And, and in the NIV, if any of you have the NIV, it translates that. It says, He guides me along the right paths. And that's the more, more the idea. I know when we hear that he, he leads us in paths of righteousness, we think God is leading us to be righteous, which he absolutely does, but that's not the idea here. The idea here is that, that he's a shepherd and he's going to lead us on the right path, right? He knows the path that leads to the green grass and he knows the path that leads to the still waters. And if we follow him, we'll end up being in the right place, which is a good reminder for us as God's people. If you will follow him, right, if we are faithful to what he calls us to do in his word, if we are faithful to follow the example that Jesus gave in his life, then we will find ourselves in the right place. Not having to be worried, not having to be restless, but resting, knowing that he is our shepherd and he's going to lead us every single time to where we need to be. How can I know that he's going to do it every single time? Well, that's the last part of verse 3 when it says that he leads us on those right paths for his name's sake. It means this promise that God is a shepherd who knows where you need to be and that God will get you there is based on his reputation, his namesake. It's based on who he is. It's based on his character. It's not based on the sheep, and that's important for me, and it's important for you to hear this morning. You being in the right place 
you having what you need, you being righteous, you having eternal life, these things are not dependent on us, they're dependent on the shepherd. He is the one that provides for our needs, both physical and spiritual. We're 100% dependent on him, but when we follow him, we'll have what we need. So he will provide for us physically and spiritually, trust that fully. And so as God's sheeple, there is provision and there's peace. As he continues in verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so here we see the idea that, that sometimes the right path won't look like the right path to us. Right? The, the picture here is, is of the sheep following a shepherd and having, and in this area they'd have to do this, going down like a canyon and having to come up the other side. And if you look down in this steep canyon from the top, it's very dark at the bottom. There's a deep, dark shadow, and you don't know what's hiding there. And that's, that's the reference here to the shadow of death. And, and in going in and out of these canyons, it'd be quite dangerous. There were a lot of things that could hurt a sheep. Uh, as you're going down uh, and trying to get back up, maybe if you're not out in time, you might dehydrate. If you slip on the way down and fall in, you could die. There could be animals that were waiting in the shadows. Um, we know from David's account of being a shepherd that he had killed uh, bears and lions. And so there could be things hiding there that would attack the sheep. So this is something that would seem very uncomfortable. For us, the, the idea of this valley for a sheep might look a lot like the year 2020. Right? There are things at every turn that seem like they could completely derail us. There are pandemics and there are deaths and there is online school and there are uh, loot, the loss of loved ones, and there's the loss of jobs and income, and just all these things that we look at it and say, God, this can't be the right path. Surely we have, we're still following you, but surely we've gotten off. This is not the way you should be leading us. But again, the path doesn't always look like the right path. But the promise here in verse 4, and this is, has long been one of my favorite illustrations pictures in all of scripture and so I wanted to show it to you today I've got some visual aids this is something else that you don't often get today is a special day I just want you to know that and so it says how in the world could a sheep be comfortable when going into the valley of the shadow of death how could a sheep and that's what he says here right I fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me. So not only can I deal with this, but I'm comfortable, even in the midst of such terrible and dangerous circumstances. But he tells us how. First of all, he says, for you are with me. I want you to stop there for a moment, and I want you to think about that. The first thing that he says brings him comfort is the fact that the shepherd is with him. And brothers and sisters, we may just, you may just need to hear this this morning and be reminded that even in 2020, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you're going, He is with you. He has not left. The promise of the assurance that He would be with us even to the end of the age has not been broken. And God is still with us. And above everything else, that should comfort us. 
But he also gives us this picture. He says, you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think most of us are somewhat familiar with the shepherd's staff, right? It's, it's like a walking stick that he would use and it had the hook. And, and the picture is, the staff is what the shepherd would usually use to keep the sheep, protect the sheep from themselves, Right, Maybe you're walking down the, the steep ravine and you as a sheep start to stray and get out of line, but before you fall over, the shepherd just gently nudges you, disciplines you, and gets you back in line. He uses his staff to protect you from yourself. And God disciplines us to keep us where we should be. But the picture of the shepherd's rod is much different than the shepherd's staff. So he has the staff. But he also has the rod, and the rod would be something more like this. A rod that a shepherd carried was not like a gentle stick. It was more like a billy club. You see, a shepherd would keep something, a hard club on his belt usually. And David tells us that it happened that there was a time that a lion came up and took one of his sheep in its mouth. And David, as the shepherd, took the sheep out of the lion's mouth, grabbed it by the beard, struck it with something that killed it. He did the same thing to a bear. And the idea here for us as God, as our shepherd, is that he's the one that has the biggest club of them all. And that he uses his staff to protect us from ourself, but he also uses his rod to protect us from anything else. Anyone else or anything else that might would rise against us, it is not more powerful than him. So no matter whether it's a pandemic or the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one, no matter what you're going through, we can feel comfort and reassurance and security even in the midst of those times. How? Because he's with us. And he has his staff and he has his rod and he is stronger than whatever we are dealing with. And he can shield us from anything we need to be shielded against, and he can give us strength to endure anything else. So, brothers and sisters, this picture of the rod and the staff, that just sticks with me as God having this staff where he disciplines me to protect me from myself, and he has this rod where he can fend off anything else that needs to be fended off from me. Then he finishes in verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And, and so the last thing that we see here is that God promises to always love his people. It's the promise that we see here. The, the beginning of this, verse 5, and we don't have as much time as I'd like, but it's describing this picture of God as a host. He's hosting a banquet, and we are like the, the guest of honor at the banquet. And, and he seats us in, in the, the beautiful place, and he prepares this feast before us, and he does it in the presence of our enemies, which makes it even that much sweeter. And, and then while we're at this feast, he anoints us with a, a sweet-smelling oil, and he gives us a cup that's bottomless, and it's this picture, this reminder that as God's covenant people, that God lavishes his love on us, that God cares for us, and that God shows us these, these beautiful, uh, his favor that we do not deserve. But the last thing I want to focus on for just a couple of minutes as we close is verse 6. 
And specifically, the second word that he says is going to follow us, the second attribute that's going to follow us, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. And this is another one of those beautiful pictures. The idea of goodness and mercy following us is literally of goodness and mercy pursuing us or chasing us. That even if we tried to run from it, that as God's sheep, that His goodness, it chases us down. But the second word, mercy, God's mercy, it's, it's, it's often in the Psalms translated as steadfast love, and it's what I spent a good bit of time on last week whenever we were looking in Psalm 42. And in verse 8, remember, it's the only time that the psalmist called God by His personal name. He said, but by day Yahweh commands His steadfast love. And it's the same word that, that God uses to describe Himself. In Exodus 34, 6, God said, speaking of himself, that he's a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So what is this idea of, of steadfast love? This idea of steadfast love is God's covenant love. God's promised love, right? He had entered into covenant with Israel and he says, this is who I'm going to be to you. This is what I'm going to do to you, for you. And it was a promise that, that was not conditional. It was dependent on who God was. Even as he made the, the covenant with Abraham, he showed the picture of the animals being split and him walking through and not asking Abraham to, but only him walking through this picture that God would make sure that his covenant was kept. God makes this covenant and promises to love and show favor and mercy to his children. And so here, David says, Surely goodness and your covenant love, your promised love, will be with us. It shall follow us. It shall pursue us all the days of our life. We'll never, ever get away from it. I read an article this week that described God's covenant love. This type of love, this way. His persistent, unconditional tenderness, kindness, and mercy. A relationship in which God seeks after man with love and mercy. I also described it, it said, it, it is not merely love, but loyal love. Not merely kindness, but dependable kindness. Not merely affection, but affection that has committed itself. Brothers and sisters, David and the writers of the Old Testament called on this love often because they knew that God's covenant love, God's promised love was merciful and it was undeserved, but it was also their only hope. It was the only thing that they had to cling to. And so if you and I are not part of national Israel, right? We're not Israelites, we're not Hebrew people uh, in that sense and the genetic sense, and living there. And so, so how can we call on this promise? If we are not part of that covenant with Old Testament Israel, how can we depend on God's promised covenant steadfast love? And I would remind you that there's a new covenant. And brothers and sisters, this is good news. When I say there's a new covenant, I pray that it makes you smile. And I know that it doesn't every time because you didn't. You looked at me very mad, many of you, just a moment ago. But listen, I'm going to say it again. And I pray that you smile. 
there's a new covenant. And it's the covenant that is made available to us at a very great price. That God sent His very own Son, Jesus, to this earth. And Jesus, when He came, lived a perfect life. We're about to begin celebrating the, the birth of Jesus next week in Christmas. And, and He came to earth and He lived a humble, servant, perfect life. And He never sinned a single time. And He fulfilled all the prophecies about the coming Messiah, the Anointed One. And He fulfilled all of the law. And yet still, that perfect Savior, God in human flesh, died a terrible, horrible horrific death, not only because of the nails and the whip and the cross, but because of the wrath of God. For every sin that we've committed, there is, there is wrath. And God took that wrath and He poured it on Jesus so that, that when you and I came to the point that Caroline came and showed us this morning, when we come to the point of recognizing that we are sinners that are hopeless on our own, and when we call out in faith to God that we could be forgiven of our sins, that our sins could be taken away from us, that we would never have to experience any of God's wrath. Jesus made that possible. He made the new covenant possible because He lived a perfect life and died a perfect death and then was raised to life again, to live eternally. And because of that, you and I can now be part of the new covenant. And so that's why the new covenant makes us smile. And so you and I, when we respond in faith to Jesus Christ, our sins are taken away and God's wrath is taken away from us. And now we get to know what it's like to be God's sheep. We know what it's like to have rest and joy and to be deeply loved and pursued and lavished with God's favor. But my question to you today if you are here and you are unsure whether or not you have ever experienced that type of love. This Psalm 23 sounds like a beautiful poem to you, but it doesn't sound like something that speaks to your heart. I would ask you this morning, have you ever responded in faith to Jesus Christ? I don't want to know if you've ever walked the aisle at church, if you've ever signed a card. I don't want to know necessarily if you've been baptized, what I want to know is have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you made Him Lord? Have you dedicated yourself to following all the teachings of His Word and the example of His life as best as you possibly can? Do you recognize how great He is and how great you are not without Him? Do you? And if you've never done that, would you be willing to today? Has, has God convicted you of your sin and your need for Him through His Holy Spirit? Has He brought you to the place that you would respond in faith? And if so, why would you wait? Would you come? If you have questions, I'd love to talk to you about what that looks like, why that's important. And you can come this morning and I'll talk to you about that. We can set up a time outside of the service and we can talk about that. I'd love to talk to you about it. But also, if you're here this morning and you're one of God's people, have you forgotten His promises? Have you been living anxious and nervous and worried because you've forgotten about the peace and the provision of God? Have you forgotten about His protection? Do you think that He's forgotten about you? Because He hasn't, and He's still with you. So I pray that your life looks much different than those people around you at work and at school because we have this shepherd. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to have an invitation 
I know we haven't done that in a while, and so I just want to remind you that I'll be here. If you have questions, if you have something that you need to make public to the church, we'd love for you to do that. Come. I'll have my mask on if you want to come and talk, if you want to me to pray with you. But if you're here, we're going to sing this morning, uh, Savior like a shepherd lead us. So maybe you're here and you are a Christian, and we can just sing this song with joy in response to God. Lead us, Father. You might need to pray and ask Him to help you to do that more. But as He calls you to do something, respond this morning with joy and excitement to the Lord. seated. I didn't know that was on. All right, so we have a few announcements before we are dismissed this morning. Um, there will not be a, a midweek service this week due to Thanksgiving, uh, so we will not have midweek services. Starting next week, we will start taking up Lottie Moon offering, and that will go throughout uh, the month of December. So we'll start that. Also, um, Many of y'all seen the message that Brother Zach had posted this week on Facebook about the book. Uh, if you're interested in this, uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the back table. Uh, write your name down. There will not be any cost associated with this. The cost has already been taken care of. Uh, so that's on the back. And then also, if you're signing up there, you can also sign up for the uh, mission letters uh, that the uh, mission team that we sponsor and we we uh, send out through uh, our church, so you can send or you can sign up for the newsletter as well. There. Hope everybody has a great week uh, this coming week for Thanksgiving and spending time with their loved ones. And uh, I think Brother Zach's got some business now. Uh, just before we go, uh, you do know that that we've been announcing that we needed to have a uh, vote to elect deacons for the next year uh, this morning. And so as we do that, um, guess you can stick with us. It shouldn't be very long, I pray. Um, do we have a motion to enter into a time of business this morning? We have a motion. Do we have a second? Second. All in favor, you would say aye. All right. So this morning we only have one thing uh, to deal with, and that is the, the deacon vote. And so Brother Derek, who is our chairman of deacons, is going to come and speak to that this morning. Deacon body, in, in form of a motion, would like to, uh, instead of passing paper ballots out, we have four, four men that will be rotating off at the end of the year. 
Uh, we have four men that have said that they are willing to serve uh, effective in January, that being Michael Huey, Shane Easterling, Don Hollis, and Stuart Sellers. Uh, the motion would be that, uh, that we elect those four men or confirm those four men to serve for the next three years. All right, so that is coming from the deacon body. It won't need a second. But any discussion or questions about uh, the motion this morning that those four men be elected to serve as deacon for, uh, for the year beginning in 2021? Okay. No questions or discussion? All in favor, if you would say aye. Any opposed by like sign? And the motion carries. So we have a motion to close our time of business. Motion. Do we have a second? Second. All in favor, say amen. Thank you for being here this morning. If you would stand with me and let's pray and thank the Lord as we're dismissed this morning. Father God, you have been so good to us and you continue day after day to be better to us than we could ever deserve. Father, your favor and your mercy and your steadfast love are the only hope that we have in this life or the life to come. So, Lord, we call on you and we are most thankful to you. I pray that as we go this week of Thanksgiving that that thankfulness, Lord, exudes from us to all that we meet, that we share of your truth and your life and your death and your resurrection. Father, that you might use those efforts to bring more to you. And, Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.